Today, exciting day because it's Labor Day weekend, uh, but more importantly, exciting just because of the fact that we get to dig into God's Word and see what He has in store. Honored to have the, um, the pleasure of preaching this morning. Brother Kevin and his family are out today, so do be in prayer for them. Just a quick spoiler alert, inside your worship guide, you're going to find a little info sheet, not an info sheet, but a little sheet like this. This is not a drawing uh, thing for you necessarily, but this is going to become vital for later in the service. So just giving you a heads up, spoiler alert, prepare yourselves, get your pens ready, we'll go from there. you also find in your worship guide uh, on the back of it, uh, there are some fill in the blanks. Uh, if you want to do like I know some of you do and go ahead and guess what's down there and then give yourself a percentage like how many is right, help yourself. Uh, but I will give you the, the fill-ins as we go. How many of you just out of curiosity have ever heard of the TV show Different Strokes? Oh, sweet. First service kind of looked at me like I was weird. So there is a character in there that has this famous statement. Everybody say it with me. What you talking about? Well, that's, wow, that was great. It was like, yay. Um, God's people said amen to that, I guess. But anyway, there was something interesting. If you're not familiar with the TV show, just kind of bring you up to speed with everybody else. There's this uh, character on there by the name of Arnold. Uh, Arnold is uh, just a wee little tot. Probably when he first started, he was about five or six. Uh, and he lives with this family. And a lot of times things will take place or things will be said to him. Maybe they're telling a story. Maybe they are talking about some circumstance or in. Maybe they're telling him that he needs to do something specific, whatever. And his response is always, what you talking about, Willis? It's a horrible impression, but you get the idea. And every time he does that, think about it. If you've seen the show, if you haven't, just play along. You'll, you'll catch, hopefully. But every single time he does that, whenever he says it, there's a couple things that kind of go into that. One, he might be looking for uh, Paul Harvey's rest of the story. Why did you say that? What's behind it? What's your thinking behind that? He may have been in a complete astonishment, like, are you serious? Are you for real? Uh, he may have just been uh, very engaged and very inquisitive. That's a word I never use, so that's your, you can write that down. Uh, but he was very, uh, very intrigued about what was being said, and he wanted to know more. He wanted to hear more about what was, what was being said and the thought behind it. And every single time that he says that, of course, there's a big laugh because it's kind of funny and kind of cute. But the, whoever he's talking to always goes on to explain a little bit further, well, this is why I'm saying that. And so he, this morning, we're talking about this idea, what is it that you and I are talking about? What uh, story are we telling? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the last several weeks, we have been taking a look at the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, chapters 11 and 12. I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, to you. Uh, if you just decide that you do not want to follow along with anything I say, you are more than welcome to read uh, chapters 11 and 12 right now, okay? So just putting that out there, as opposed to the announcements in your worship guide, just saying. So uh, anyway, chapters 11 and 12 from 2 Corinthians, just kind of uh, backtrack a little bit, as Brother Kevin has kind of shared with us in the past. 2 Corinthians was a book that was written by, it was a letter written by Paul to the church of Corinth. It's not just the second letter that was written to the church of Corinth, but uh, most say probably the third, maybe the fourth. But the idea behind this letter is Paul wrote it from prison was basically to encourage the church of Corinth. 
The first letter he wrote, basically he was trying to encourage them, but also call them out for some things that they were doing that was going against uh, what it was, the mission that God had laid before them. Uh, He was trying to basically give them direction and guidance. The second letter, he was going back and he's encouraging those folks that took the first letter to heart and are really building off of it. But he's also coming back to kind of call out the people that are basically saying, yeah, whatever, that's nice, but I'm still going to kind of do my own thing. And he wants to make that very clear. So he kind of does that all throughout 2 Corinthians. And then we come to uh, chapter 11. Now, at the beginning of chapter 11, as he's talking, he begins to kind of, if you read, he begins to try to give, make a case for himself. And the reason that he's making a case for himself, the reason that he's humbly boasting about what it is that God has done in him and through him is because of the fact that at the time there were these folks called super prophets, not like Superman or anything like that, but these super prophets, as, as Paul alluded to, they basically were guys that were going around, they were like the well-known preachers of the day, whatever, and they were going around uh, to different churches and such. They weren't necessarily concerned about what was taking place at the church as much as they were as what the church could do for them. So they were all about basically come in, yay, let's, let's have a revival, pay me. And it, was, it all came down to them getting all the focus, them getting all the money, all that type of stuff. That was kind of uh, what he's going by with super prophets and then the, or super apostles. Sorry about that. The super apostles also, though, they were also recognizing that Paul had a major work, and so they were trying to shoot down the things of Paul, the things that Paul was saying. Uh, they were basically trying to diminish any type of uh, favor that God might have with him. They were trying to diminish any type of following that Paul might have because they were basically saying, look, He's just this one guy, and he's stuck in prison, but here we are. Check us out. God's doing something through us. Uh, We want to be able to tell you what we are doing, and we want you to come in and support us. And basically, it was just, it was all about the money and was all about themselves. And so chapter 11 ends up being basically Paul just going in and kind of sharing why he's not a super apostle. And two, more importantly, he begins to share it's the first blank. He begins to uh, share his story. Everyone has a story. That's the, that's the big thing there. First thing, every single one of us has a story. No matter what it is, we have a story. Um, last week, happened to uh, come into service, and right at the very beginning, I saw Morgan Wise sitting back there, and uh, I noticed that she apparently was following Mike Childers' uh, uh, thing of interest and had the scooter thing go y'all should start a club for crying out loud and so uh went back there and she's on the scooter and I'm like what happened and so very quickly so it was like in a matter of 20 seconds very quickly I get the basic summary of the idea of what was going on great got it good so then the next morning is uh just kind of going through and preparing for this morning I get this text from Morgan to explain further and begins to send me the x-rays and the pictures that only equate to the things that uh, Christy has posted on Mike's foot, okay? <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for that, both of you, by the way. So, uh, but there was, there was this story behind that. I'm not going to go into the details. What I will tell you is this, is for her, she had to have surgery, going through all that, they had to do some things that to us doesn't necessarily look all that wonderful. To her, it's going to make her all the better 
as she already is anyway. And so that was the basic deal. What's that statement? No pain, no gain. I'll assume that that's the case here. But here's the thing. Everyone has a story. Whenever you see somebody that is on crutches or maybe they uh, have an arm in the sling or they're on a scooter uh, or they've got a big bandage around their head, what's, when you go talk to them, what's the first thing that you say to them? What happened? Like, like they purposely did this. What in the world happened to you? Why do we do that? Because of the fact that we're interested in finding out what the story is. Hopefully we're interested and we're not just killing time, but we're curious. We want to know what that story is. Why did that take place? Every one of us has a story. Paul here in chapter 11, as he uh, all throughout, he's sharing his story, the first part especially, He's trying to display again the fact that here's what the super apostle's doing, but I want you to understand I am humbly boasting about what it is that God has done uh, in and through me. And that's, that is basically what he's pointing out here. And then he comes down to a little bit later in chapter 11, beginning with verse 24. Uh, he says this, and, he, and on this I'll just tell you... Uh, <laughs> This, this literally right when I got to this part, this is when I got a text from Morgan, and I'm just going to be honest, I laughed, okay, you'll understand why. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. You can kind of pick up on a theme here. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked besides everything else. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. So here it is. Paul's trying to, again, one, he's sharing his story, but he's trying to lay out very clearly, this is what it is that God has done in my life. Now, did the church of Corinth ask him for all that? Probably not. But I would imagine as they began to read his letter and hear of his letter, they were more curious and more question like what what exactly were the details behind that each of us has a story every one of us have a story second blank people are curious about that story people are curious about this story we want to know more <coughs> we want to uh, find out what the details were that led to that particular situation uh, chasing the rabbit here real quick so uh, along that same note whenever I have an opportunity to do a hospital visit uh, there will be any time I go, most of the time, nine times out of ten, not just here, but other places I've been, I'll go in and I may end up meeting somebody that I've never met and I have no earthly idea why they're in there. And so I went in, uh, this was in South Carolina, there was a guy that was in there, I don't remember his actual name, uh, he was about, I was getting ready to show his size, he was about 5'1", uh, and his nickname was Stumpy, Okay. Stumpy. Stumpy had a brother who went to our church whose name was Shorty, and uh, who was 5'2". Who was and so, anyway, Stumpy was in the hospital, 
And my pastor said, hey, do you mind go visit Stumpy? Well, of course, I had to ask the real name because Stumpy is not going to be on the register there. So anyway, I go in, finally find Stumpy's room. I go in and say, hey, how you doing? I hear your name Stumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get to talk. And I'm like, forgive, forgive my ignorance. Again, I'm chasing a rabbit. Forgive my ignorance. What, why in the world are you here? I, uh, it was all I could do not to cry from laughter because literally the reason he was in was because he was out in the woods cutting trees and one fell on top of him. <laughs> Complete side note. Sorry for that. He had a story. Everyone has a story. And people are curious about what that story is. They want to know more details. Uh, a few years ago uh, when Rebecca and I were living in South Carolina, church we were serving with. It was the first Christmas time we were there, and we uh, took the students to a local assisted living place to visit with the folks there, share a little Christmas joy, sing some Christmas carols, that type of thing. We hadn't done that in a while as far as at this particular church, and so we thought, well, we'll, uh, we'll end up just kind of going. So we walk into the assisted living, and in the lobby area there, there's a bunch of couches and chairs and such, and there's a bunch of people sitting in them just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. We weren't even planned on being there, but they apparently were waiting, figuring some youth group would come in. So we walk in, and uh, I told the students, I said, okay, here's the deal. There's a lot of people in here right now. You all have a great opportunity to to share the love of Jesus with these folks by going up and simply talking to them. Some of them may not have family, whatever, but take some time now and talk to them. And so sure enough, they start walking around and mingling with folks and talking with them and such. And here I am, I thought, you know what, I probably need to be a good example and do the same thing. And so there was this lady who was sitting over on the side, and uh, just kind of off to herself. And so I went over to talk to her, and I said, hello, um, what's your name? And she told me, and I said, um, uh, Mrs. Stark was her name. And uh, I said, well, my name is uh, John, but everybody calls me Tree. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you. Uh, I said, are you originally from, like, the Greenwood area? And she said, oh, no, no, I just moved here a few years ago, and I'm originally from Kentucky. <laughs> Whoa. Now, I'm in South Carolina. You know how it is when you go to a different state and you run into from somebody from the same state? It's like you feel like you've run into cousins or something, you know? And so I'm like, oh, really? So uh, I wanted to know more. I'm intrigued now. What, what's your story? So I asked her, I said, Really? I'm from Kentucky, too. Like, where, whereabouts in Kentucky you are? Uh, are you from? And she said, well, she said, I'm from a little place called E-Town. <laughs> whoa, whoa, really excited now. Like, oh, you know, first Christmas away from uh, family and just excited about getting to meet this lady in this town that we, you know, we've only lived in for a few months and getting to meet this lady who's also from E-Town. I said, Really, I am from E-Town, too. Like, that is so exciting. And she looked at me closely for about 10 seconds. Very awkward. But she looked at me, and she said, you're, you're Daryl and Ann Anchors boy, aren't you? I am literally, that's my parents' name, and I am freaking out right now. Like, this is getting weird. And, of course, I would, tell me more. I want to know more of the story. What's, what exactly is going on here? Turns out, her son used to date my mom. (laughs) I had not heard this story before. Let's just say my mom and I had some fun discussion later that night. (laughs) It was was very harmless. 
so I was very intrigued and wanted to hear Miss Stark's story, how she came to South Carolina, how she got there. The things were involved as far as with her life. I, she told me where she lived, and I like literally it was like three blocks from my house, and that got really weird too. And, but just hearing her story and uh, stuff, I was very curious about that. Very, very curious about that. Um, as we go on, Paul here, here's the thing. He's telling his story in the midst of all that. I think part of the reason he's telling the suffering he's going through is because he recognizes that as a missional church that the church of Corinth was, he's recognizing that they're going to go through some suffering, that they're going to go through some, some trials and some tribulations. And so here's the next blank on your deal. Your story relates to others. Your story relates to others. Not only does everyone have a story, and not only is, are people curious about your story, like if you open the door, people will start asking questions, but your story relates in somehow, some way. Maybe not to everybody. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe, maybe not to everybody. Miss Opal, you and I, we have a connection you and I have talked about, but there's a lot of things about our separate stories. We no connection whatsoever. But there's a connection somewhere along the way with our story with other people. I would guarantee, guarantee that everybody in here, no matter what we're going through as far as in life, whatever mountaintop experience that we are having, whatever valley that we may be experiencing right now, whatever just level playing field that we may be at right now, I guarantee that there is somebody else in this room that is in the exact same place that you are, guaranteed. Maybe not physically, but guaranteed as far as just in general and dealing with stuff, guaranteed there's somebody else in this room that's dealing with the same thing. I cannot tell you how many times over in the 13 years I've been here, I cannot tell you how many times I've sat down and talked with a student, with a parent, with a prime timer, with middle-aged person, uh, and in talking with those folks, they begin to share something they're going through. And as they're sharing their story, they're sharing it with a bit of caution because of the fact they're afraid that they're the only one and they're kind of embarrassed that they're the only one has going through that. And literally, 99% of the time, every single time they've shared one of those stories, I'm sure Brother Kevin could tell us the same thing that he's experienced. But literally, 99% of the time, somebody else within our church family comes to mind that has been going through that same exact thing. Maybe a different, maybe names are different, maybe locations are different, but we can relate. We can relate to each other's story. And that's, that's kind of what Paul is, I think why Paul is putting that out here as far as his suffering, to help people understand, to help people relate to where he's going on with. Uh, chapter 12, uh, go on there. Uh, I must go on boasting, begin with verse 1. I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. What he's referring to here is uh, in Acts 14, I believe it is, there was a point where he was actually, they were trying to stone him to death. And so thus, that's what he's speaking of. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even I should choose to boast, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, 
but I refrain so no one will think more of of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger to Satan to torment me. Now, uh, and three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Let me stop right there. A couple things that's very interesting about this, uh, and let me just kind of backtrack. One is whenever he's talking about uh, three different times that uh, he was a thorn of flesh, uh, some uh, folks have said that basically he was dealing with a, some type of dis- um, uh, some disease that was disability to him. That's not the right wording there, but it was, it was causing issues. Maybe it had been a, a health concern. Maybe it was something else, but it was something that was taking place in his life that was pretty painful to deal with. You ever been to that point to where you're like you're dealing with something pretty bad, something painful, something that hurts, whether it be physically or whether it be mentally or emotionally, and you're like, God, please take this away from me. That's exactly where Paul is at this point. But here's the other thing. If you go back a little bit further as he's talking about uh, what's going on, the, the one thing that he does know for certain is that no matter what he's going through, God knows. He may not be able to eloquently express what it happened, but he knows that God knows what's going on. And there's a couple things from this. One, God knows all. Two, nobody else can change her own story. That's, those are freebies. They weren't even in your outline. But God knows all, and nobody can change the story that you've experienced. Nobody can, because that's what's happened, and because of the fact simply God knows, and God's been at work in the midst of all that. But anyway... Going back to verse 8, he asked him three times, I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. Again, talking about this, uh, this issue, this health concern of some sort that he's been having. In verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, here's the thing. As uh, Paul is talking, he mentions that he went to the Lord, and then he comes back, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. If you're following in your bulletins, in your worship guide, I just basically gave you the next two uh, fill-in-the-blanks there. Uh, but here's something I want you to consider about. Let's talk about the His grace is sufficient for just a bit. Now, in our minds, as far as in sharing our story, there are various reasons why we may not necessarily share our story. One may be uh, because of the fact we feel like our story is not all that powerful. His grace is sufficient. One may be because of the fact that we've been hurt too much by our story. His grace is sufficient. May we feel we can't because of what we're going through currently. His grace is sufficient. Maybe just because of where we are in life. Or maybe because we feel like that no one will be able to relate to our story. His grace is sufficient. May we feel like nobody's going to be interested in this. Nobody wants to hear my, my story. His grace is sufficient. Maybe we feel like if they ask questions, we're not going to know the answers or how to respond to that. His grace is sufficient. Maybe because we've been hurt in the past and we're afraid to be hurt again. His grace is sufficient. Maybe because we're depressed or we're feeling lonely or we have a lot of anger stored up. His grace is sufficient. Maybe we feel like it's somebody else's turn to do that. Well, I've done my fair share of, like, teaching or leading or sharing or whatever somebody else's turn his grace is sufficient here's the thing all those things are excuses but in God's mind his grace is sufficient 
those reasons and those excuses, they don't matter because of the fact that his grace is sufficient. Several years ago, I was working, uh, helping out with a retreat uh, through Emmaus Community, uh, but there was, a, there was something that happened in that that I think is very applicable to this. Just kind of fill you in. Uh, so there is, uh, with this, um, the folks that are going to work with it, uh, they will do a, uh, some of them may end up giving a talk. Not necessarily just church folks, but some of them may give a talk of some sort. Just about, uh, there's like a, a focus thing about different avenues of life. Things that they're going through and how God has worked through that. Before the actual weekend itself, all the people are actually going to give talk. There's uh, usually three to four weeks where they do uh, um, preparation. I don't remember what they call it, formations, uh, for the week itself. And uh, the week, those formation means what ends up happening is all the people are going to give a talk basically have to preview it. Same idea would be if I were to take what I'm sharing this morning and beforehand, if I had to go into Brother Kevin's office, thankfully I didn't, uh, but if I were to go into Brother Kevin's office and literally go through my whole sermon, then he, he'd come back and basically say, okay, this was a great point. This point stunk. This point, maybe you need to do something else. Maybe you need to broaden on this particular area, whatever. And they would, these folks would basically go through and critique uh, the, the talks itself. And then you have an opportunity, after they critique them, you have an opportunity to go back and, and kind of reshape it, format, whatever. And then the actual weekend, you actually give your talk and you know, all is, all is supposedly well. So uh, in the midst of one of these, there was a, a student that was helping out. Uh, we will call him Jack for the sake of name safety, not Jack Kissleball for those that are familiar with him, uh, but Jack. Uh, Jack was going to be giving a talk, and his talk um, was going to be dealing with ideals. It was the first talk of the weekend. It's the talk that uh, that basically sets the stage for everything that's going to take place. It sets the stage for uh, students kind of tagging in with what's going on. So as Jack comes in, he uh, previews his talk. Usually, like after uh, they're previewed, usually there's about a five-minute critique, and then they bring the person back in the room, and they go over those things. Jack's critique lasted 25 minutes. It literally was the worst talk I've ever heard in my entire life. And the thought of, like, this is the first talk that's going to set the tone for this retreat for the weekend itself for these students scared the daylights out of me as a youth minister at that time. And so uh, they went through this talk, and it, was, it really was so bad that they told Jack after the fact, they said, look, said, the Friday before we start, we want you to get here a little earlier, and we want to preview it again just to be sure you're ready to go, you know. So Jack comes in with his, his uh, talk, and he shares it again. It was a little better, but not the greatest, and there was still, like, a lot of improvement. Uh, not to be judgmental, but okay, I was. Uh, and there was a lot of work that still needed done on it. And so the next day comes, first talk, Jack comes in there, and he gives his talk. Can I just be honest with you? That literally, being involved in youth ministry for 25 years, that literally was the worst talk I've ever heard in my entire life. You know how, how it is whenever you have like that guy that's preaching and you just wish they would be quiet and they keep going on and on and on, kind of like some of y'all are looking at me right now? <laughs> well, that was this. That was what Jack did. And he just, and it was boring. 
Oh, and it was horrible. And it didn't even tie in with the whole, like, it, it did none of what we were hoping to see happen. After each of the talks, uh, all the students are, are in small groups, and they take a time to talk about, uh, discuss about the talk, how does that apply, and then they might do, like, a poster or a skit or something to help them, like, put application to what they've just heard. And then uh, that evening, in the evening times, all the groups will come together and they will share one of their skits or posters or something about what they've heard throughout the day that really stuck out with them. Out of ten groups, do you know that nine of those groups went back and talked about Jack and how that was the most powerful thing they had ever heard in his entire life? I thought, what are y'all missing? Here's what I realized. God's grace is sufficient. Doesn't need us, but God's grace simply will do. And moving on to the next point, his power is made perfect in our weakness. Jack surely didn't have a power or ability to be able to speak, but man, God spoke through him in ways that I still don't even understand. (laughs) Here's the thing. Because of his power, he works through situations and circumstance because his power is made perfect in weakness. Those stumbling blocks that we might encounter... Uh, compared to his power, they de- really don't matter. For example, what valley are you currently in? Doesn't matter because of the fact that his power is made perfect in his weakness. Doesn't matter what mountaintop we may be climbing right now because of the fact that his power is perfect, is made perfect in our weakness. Doesn't matter where we are in life because his power is made perfect in our weakness. Doesn't matter what, we might, what physical defect we might have. Whether it be like something small, whether it be like Scooters, I love you all. Um, Whatever the case may be, his power is made perfect in weakness. For some of us, maybe it's the fact of, you know what, I don't feel like I can share my story because, one, I've never done that before, and nobody's ever going to want to hear it. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Catch that. His power is made perfect in our weakness. It doesn't matter. That's not to say that the things that we're going through, that's not to make light of that. But when we compare those to the power of Christ, oh, no comparison whatsoever because of, the, because of the fact that his power is made perfect in our weakness. If you go on to the rest of 2 Corinthians 12, Paul shares that he's going to come back and visit the church. And he's hoping to see when he comes back, he's hoping to see that this letter that he's written to the folks Basically, like it's engaged with people, and people are like, oh, I get it now. I'm going to follow Christ. And he's really excited about seeing what God does in the midst of of sharing and what God does in the midst of Paul sharing his story. But he's also nervous of the people that he's going to encounter that really don't have a care in the world, even though they've heard it time and time and time again. And that concerns him greatly. Here's the thing, my question for you this morning, last blank there, but don't put your bulletin or worship guides up just yet. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the person that's like, yeah, I am all in. I'm going to share my story. I am, like, I've got to do this. I recognize that his grace is sufficient. I recognize that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And I've got to share. Or are you the person that's like, nope, no interest. I accepted Christ when I was a little kid. Did it. Check the blank on the paper. I'm good to go. My name will be up there. I'm good to go. And we're totally, totally missing out on so much more that God has in store for us.